you're listening to the GNU World Order, episode 357. My name's Klaatu, and today we are continuing through the G section of the AP software series in Slackware. If you're new to the show, that means that we are looking at literally every binary executable on the Slackware distribution. If you're not running Slackware, that's okay. You probably have access to these binary executables, these applications, through your distribution's software repository. So whatever I mention here, you can probably find for yourself. Before I get started with that, though, I want to take some listener feedback, because I do have some listener feedback. I've got two little uh, bits of, of listener feedback here. The first one is from Matthias, and he says, uh, the future Windows admin at my place of work was not able to edit a PDF when using a tool the company had paid for. It came from some authority, and the company was to pin it on their walls. I, I need some professional tool, he claimed, so I gave it a try. LibreOffice was able to import the PDF into its draw or impress component. The edit went fine. And Matthias said um, that the PDF uh, that he had to edit was sort of a form, if you imagine like an HTML form. You know, it had some some question and then a blank that you would fill in. So he was able to edit it and do whatever he needed to in Lib- in LibreOffice. And that's, that's great feedback. I have found that to be true. LibreOffice does seem to do really, really well with PDF manipulation. I think it is the libpoplar library that makes that possible if I'm if I'm remembering correctly and uh, yeah I, I think I've have I used that before I don't think I have used that before myself because um, I, I have I, I'm usually doing different things than than I would need to do from from LibreOffice like I'm, I'm very frequently editing metadata or chopping it up and adding page inserting pages and stuff like that which I guess I could do in LibreOffice um, but it's just more efficient usually for me to do with PDFTK, but um, it's it's great to hear that LibreOffice came through. The other little bit of information here is from Ken Fallon, and he he was referring to the episode in which I was talking about how sort of surprised I was that I accidentally got a bunch of people using free software to play uh, some games online, and he and he said on his part. And indeed, uh, in a couple of instances he's aware of, uh, Mumble specifically has not been performing very well. It's been very crashy and um, has been causing problems. And while I will take that as you know general feedback, I mean, it's certainly not useful feedback, I guess, for me as much as it is for Mumble. I mean, that's the sort of thing that if we want an action from this from this comment, then it would be a bug report with Mumble, probably, right? So that 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 side of it is not useful. But um, I think it's it's important to note and significant to note when software causes problems. I will, however, say that uh, what was it last week or the week before? It was it was over the weekend anyway? And uh, yeah, so I guess it would have been the week just just this past weekend, not 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 this weekend, just the, the, the one before, um, then the, there, there was a conference, a, a geek uh, gaming conference, that because of COVID-19 and the way that the, um, the, the region is being uh, hit with it and it is not really being handled all that well. So the conference uh, had to 
exist only online. And it was the, you know, as with many conferences lately, um, it's just one of those things. The pandemic causes things to move online because of social distancing. So the conference was online, and for the first time, because it was online, I was able to attend it. Uh, I, I wasn't able to attend it quite as much as I wanted to, but I, I was able to attend. And they were using Discord for their for their um, for their audio. It was a gaming conference, so you had to talk to each other because uh, it was a tabletop RPG conference. So you had to talk to each other, um, and the way that they did that was through Discord, which is a uh, non-open source. It is a closed source application that happens to be compatible with with Linux as well as Mac and Windows. So um, you can sign on and sign up and sign on and you get onto this server network and it's a little bit like um, you might think of it as IRC, you might think of it as you know any chat application but but they also have voice components. And I, and I will say that uh, you know nine times out of ten there was at least one person in every group that had some kind of problem with the process. Um, and that, and that's not a commentary against really anything other than to say getting people together in a consistent and reliable way with a lot of different systems involved is difficult. And that's just a fact. So I would love to see us as a as a larger, as a greater, as a great computer community open source and non-open source uh, I would love it if we could solve that problem I really do um, and, I, and I don't know what the what the solution is because it does require a lot of human intervention the, this process you know you, you there's hardware on the end of each computer that has to be configured for that computer and that gets difficult it, you know, it's almost as if, though, and this is a thought experiment, but I, I would w almost wonder what would happen if there was some, and gosh, this sounds horrible, but pretend like, for a moment, there was a specific connection just for audio input. Not not even the three, what is it, three and 3.3 millimeter or quarter of an inch, uh, eighth inch uh, jack, N not even that. I want it more specific than that. So it's, it's a, a connection that only works for audio input on computers, and computers ship with this connection, and so you can only connect one thing into it, and that is an audio input device, and maybe there's like like one audio input device sold. So it's a it is that there are no choices in this matter, and there's no way to screw it up. And when you plug it into this to to your computer, your OS is hard coded to recognize it as an audio input device, and to make it the default audio device across all open applications, or heck, all applications that open at any point on your computer. And and that would be maybe a step in a direction, probably not the right direction but maybe one towards consistency because it's just that tough you know it really does seem to be that difficult and i don't know who to blame i don't know whose fault it is i don't know if it's user error if it's drivers if it's applications who knows a little bit more 
pointed about Mumble is that I have been using, just as point of reference, I've been using a flat pack of Mumble on a Slackware 14.2 system. That's what I have been using most frequently. Now I do have a, I think, flat pack of Mumble, yeah, flat pack of Mumble installed on my RHEL laptop as well, uh, RHEL 8, um, and in both cases, although I, I really would feel most comfortable speaking about the Slackware one, because that's the one that I use four times a week for about two hours at a time, um, I, I can say that it has been it has been performing brilliantly, no problems. So, I don't know. It's weird. Um, but it is a problem, I think, across many different boards. All right, that's the listener feedback, so let's get started with the review of software. So the first, or rather, software packages. So the first one that I want to take a look at is the uh, is, is GhostScript-related uh, package, which is GhostScript Fonts. That name is a little bit of a misnomer, because it actually doesn't contain fonts. It contains information about fonts. So it's got AFM, PFB, and PFM files. I don't know exactly what each of those different formats does, but um, I know that generally we could say that it is an Adobe, an early Adobe PostScript. I don't actually don't even know if it's uh, related to PostScript. I think it is to an early PostScript implementation by Adobe, from Adobe where AFM, for instance, stands for Adobe Font Metrics. So its point is to provide the kerning information, kerning and letting and all that other stuff, information about a font that is being used on a printer in a PostScript file. So it is uh, metadata of sorts about a specific set of fonts. Open type fonts now just includes that stuff in the font file, so there, there's no need for AFM and PFM and, and, and all of those files. Why they're included in the version of GhostScript that is included with Slackware, I don't exactly know, and I took a look at... So AFM are text files. You can, you can, you can do a less on an AFM file, for instance. Here's a less slash user slash share slash font slash type 1 slash z003034l.afm and it tells you that it is that there's a comment here generated by PFA edit the creation date of the comment was back in 2002 December 25 2341 so almost midnight on Christmas day of 2002 font name URW Chancery L and full name is URW Chancery L Medium Italic. Family name URW Chancery L. Weight medium, copyright blah. Italic angle is fixed pitch. Lots of little, little metadata type things like that. You can look at that file yourself if you're really, really curious. And um, the PFM and PFB files are binary files, so you can't can't quite look at them exactly the same way, although you can a little bit. You can look at, uh, you know, you can look for strings in the PFM and PFB files, but it's um, it's a lot less, I would say, less informative in general. So I'm, I'm assuming, and so the the list of the 
uh, let's look at just grep font name in all AFM files in that directory. So you get a list of all the fonts that it covers, and it's it's um, an interesting assortment. It's it's a lot of Adobe fonts: URW Gothic, URW Bookman, Courier, Century School, something or another, Charter, Courier again, t uh, Courier Tin Pitch, different than Courier. Uh, some Dingbats, some Luxies, Nimbus, Palladio. I guess that's not Paladino. It's Palladio. Um, standard symbol, Utopia, and Chancery again. So there's there's a couple of different a different uh, f files there, and it, so it could be that these are just kind of the standard uh, postscript. I don't know um, fonts or something, and that's why GhostScript wants to cover them. I, I'm not really sure. It, that very well could be the collection of sort of default fonts from Adobe, though, for for all I know. But but again, I, I could be wrong. So because I mean, Luxie isn't an Adobe font, for instance. Luxie is um, it was designed for the for for Linux for X window system, or I should I should say it was designed for X window system. I don't know that it was designed for Linux, uh, but it was designed by um, by you know it, it's a it's free it's free software. So it's it's not um, it's certainly not an Adobe font. So yeah, I'm not I'm not a hundred percent sure why those AFM packages or or why that set of AFM files are included, and I don't I don't know what they are I don't know that they are ever used in real life from from GhostScript. But there you go. That's what that's what that package is. It's a, a set of font-like files or font data uh, distributed with with at least the version of GhostScript that was included in Slackware. For all I know, the newer versions maybe drops it. Uh, I don't know that for sure. I'm just I'm speculating. So the next uh, package is m much more interesting in in my opinion. It's GPhoto, technically GPhoto 2, but we'll we'll call it as as the package is called, which is oh it is GPhoto 2. Never mind. So GPhoto 2-2.5.10 is what ships with Slackware, um, and if you look at the package, it, it's kind of it's deceptively simple. Uh, you look at packages GPhoto 2. Um, it says libg photo 2 is a cross-platform digital camera library and gphoto 2 is a command line client for it the um, website is gphoto.org and uh, user bin user bin gphoto 2 and the rest is pretty much I think translation files or something I don't know yeah locale I think it's just translation files didn't really look at them but um, it is a, a very simple singular little application uh, there's some stuff with scripting that you can do, um, which I've never explored. So I think the the most interesting thing really is is the command itself, because for the longest time I saw GPhoto and it assumed it was some kind of old GNOME photo application, like maybe a GUI or something. That's kind of what I figured. And indeed, if I just kind of do a quick search in my application launcher, if I type in GPhoto, a uh, an application gets offered to me to uh, digital camera configure camera K A M E R, which is some kind of KDE camera interface. So, not very interesting on the whole. It's something that I probably th think, and you might think, something that maybe doesn't really matter that much to you. And um, as it turns out, it's it's a pretty darned interesting application. It it can do 
well, you can do it in theory quite a quite a lot with your with the camera of your choice. Uh, you're limited by obviously what what it supports, and you can find that out with gphoto2 dash dash list dash cameras plural. And you probably want to pipe that through less now that I've typed it and hit return. There we go. Uh, and it has quite a bit of it. It's got a really really long list of of cameras that it supports. And so if you know the brand of your camera, you may even want to narrow it down with a grep. So instead of doing less, I'm going to do pipe, and I'll do a grep. Um, I guess dash i, and I'll just type in Samsung because I know that. The, the the mobile device that I have handy here is a Samsung device. So let's see if I, if I get any good hits here. Uh, it looks like there's a whole line of Samsung supported devices. Uh, some, some things that are embedded, it looks like, into other devices. For instance, here's a Google Inc. for LG Electronics, Samsung Nexus 4, 5, 7, and 10, and so on. So there are lots of uh, things like that that, that might you know, be might be um, related, but not not an exact match. And and then there's other stuff like Samsung Galaxy models MTP, Gal Samsung Galaxy models MTP plus ADB, and so on. So you you got lots of different things to choose from. Some of them are quite generic, like Galaxy models that that seems to be pretty all encompassing, versus something quite specific like. Samsung YP-K5, YP-M1, YP-P2, and so on. All right, well, it turns out that the camera that I have access to is listed here. And to see if it detects my camera, well, first of all, I need to plug in my device, right? So I would, I would plug in my, my little mobile device here. USB-C to USB whatever that is, B I think it is, and uh, then I'll do a gphoto2 dash dash auto dash detect to see if it if it picks up that camera. And it looks like it does. It says here that there's a camera connected to USB colon 002, 009. So it, it obviously picks up the camera. But now let's let's look and see if it knows what abilities my camera has, or, or rather, what abilities it, it knows are supported from gphoto2 to my camera. And the command for that is gphoto2 space dash dash abilities. If you don't want to do um, the whole word, abilities, you can just do a dash a. And it says abilities for camera tells you what, what driver it's using or, or what, what it detects your camera as. Serial port support? No. USB support? Yes. Capture choices? Capture not supported by the driver. Okay, so I can't capture from this camera to this computer. If you have a camera that has that support, then you can do all kinds of cool stuff. You can control your camera through the through Gphoto too. So you can take snapshots, you can capture audio, you can capture video, and all kinds of things like that. Configuration support? No. Okay, so we're, we're, we're not doing so great here. But finally it says, okay, so we can delete selected files on camera, yes. Delete all files on camera, no. File preview thumbnail support, no. And file upload support, yes. Honestly, that's the thing that appeals to me, file upload support. Because uh, I, think, I think 
anyone who has a mobile device will probably agree that unless your mobile device has some kind of fancy interface with your computer, such as KDE Connect, and I think there's a GNOME Connect type application now, or maybe some kind of just, I don't know, built-in support for to, to act like a normal USB device, that sort of thing, then it, it's sometimes absurdly hard to get files from your computer over to your camera. You can try to do it with a Bluetooth, but Bluetooth is painfully slow and it's often more frustrating than it's, it's, it's worth, and so you may just not want to go about doing that. There's also sometimes a problem getting files from your phone to your computer. I mean, the number of files that have been tunneled through Google Photos or Google Drive or Dropbox or, you know, whatever whatever else there is out there is just, it's got to be ridiculous by now because people just can't get their stupid data from one device to another, which I think is one of the, the greatest failings of probably modern technology. I mean, it's just silly that we are carrying around mobile devices and, and find it difficult to get a file from a device that is sitting on our desk to another device sitting on the same desk. That That's a real pity that that's a problem. Now, there are some really good applications that you can get through F-Droid to find, uh, to, to get a, to, to, to basically open up a little server on your phone, and then you go to that location on your computer, it's on your local network, and you can download files from your phone. That's certainly the best solution for getting the phone, the, the files off of the phone to my computer without going through some weird internet service that I've discovered myself. But to get a file from a computer to the phone sometimes is, is, quite, is quite painful. No more, now that Gphoto 2 uh, has been discovered. So Gphoto 2 has an option, and if I do a dash dash help, we can one could see it, and that is the downloading, uploading, and manipulating files. Now there's a bunch of stuff in there. There's list folders, list files, make directory, remove directory, and so on. Uh, get file, uh, delete file, you know, st stuff like that. And and as we've seen through the dash dash abilities, your device may or may not support certain. You know, any, any one of those options. So if you want to delete all files and, and your camera thing says doesn't support it, then that's not going to work for you. But it did say that I could upload a file. So let's, I'm going to take a, I'm going to grab a, a file here, an EPUB file, Pagana d20.epub, and I'm going to try to upload it to my phone. Now it's going to fail the first time, but that is a planned failure. So I'm going to do gphoto2, dash dash upload dash file and then the path to pagana d20.epub and it gets it spits back a whole big error big scary looking error it says error you need to specify a folder starting with slash store underscore xxxxxxxxxx slash and then a bunch of other stuff about debugging and such okay well that's one of those beautiful and unhelpful error messages because, I mean, it, it gives us kind of a hint, but it doesn't exactly tell us what we need to know. Um, so you might think, okay, well, I'll, um, I'll specify that folder then because that's what it told me to do. So we'll do the gphoto dash dash upload dash file path to the file, and then we'll, we'll, we'll we need some kind of file, right? A folder, rather. Well, we don't know what that folder is. Okay, no problem. gphoto 
under uh, to um, dash dash list dash folders. That is in the downloading, uploading, and manipulating files list in the help section of GPhoto 2. It tells us, tells me, that there are two folders in folder slash. There is store underscore 00010001 and store underscore 00020002. There are zero folders in folder 001 and there are zero folders in 002. Um, Okay, so that's I, I now know that there are um, there actually are folders there, and we could do something cheeky like uh, dash dash mkdir equals uh, test, and it gives me an error and says you need to specify a folder. So in other words, in order to do anything on this phone on this device, apparently you have to know you have you have to specify the folder that's sort of the destination, the target folder. And the way that you do that, even though it doesn't actually tell you in any of the error messages, it, it is you, you have to specify dash dash folder equals and then the, na the, the, the path of the folder. So it's either slash, in my case, uh, slash store underscore 0001001 slash or all that except with twos. So I'll just, I'll do it with 0010001. So the full command again, gphoto2 space dash dash upload dash file and then slash path to my pagana d20.epub file and then space dash dash folder equals or just dash dash folder, the equals is optional, uh, slash store underscore 00010001 slash doesn't give me an error that time. So I'm going to look on my mobile device. I'll go to my file manager. And I'll just go to the normal storage location, which is just called storage. And there it is, pagana.d20.epub. 672 kilobytes. It's right on right there on my on my mobile device, just as promised. Okay, so now let's try something a little bit fancier. Photo gphoto2 dash dash make dir equals test and dash dash folder uh, slash store underscore zero 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 one zero 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 one. And again, it didn't give me an error. So if I go back out into my mobile device, go back to the storage. Uh, sure enough, there is a brand new folder at the top of the list called test. And I'm going to delete it from my phone because I don't need it. But there it is. That that did at least that did at least do it. So that is um, gphoto2. You can also try again. All of this is going to depend on the support that your device has, and you can you can see that with the um with the dash dash abilities option for gphoto2 it'll tell you what's supported so um i guess we could try actually dash dash git dash file um i don't think yeah i don't think that'll work though i guess we could try git dash 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 git dash all dash files and then space dash dash folder 
slash store underscore zero zero one zero 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 one. Before I do that, I am going to make sure that I'm in a sane location. I am. Okay, good. So yeah, actually that worked. That that pulled the file off the phone and onto my hard drive. So that's that's a success. That is good. So in other words, um, if you've got a mobile device. If it talks over the MTP protocol, or in some other cases, ADB and, and such, then you can possibly interface with it at least to some degree through GPhoto 2. It will vary depending on support of the device. Your, your device may not even be supported at all. Might not even might not even be an option for you. But if it is, it is a really, really powerful and little-known interface, possibly, to mobile devices. I mean, it's it's talking to lib. What did it, what, what did it say? Lib G photo or lib photo or something like that. So, I mean, I guess in a in a sense, it's it's not little-known. It's something that's being leveraged throughout lots of different applications. All I know is that sometimes the GUIs seem to not cooperate, and it seems to be uh, somewhat difficult sometimes, a little bit annoying. So if, if, you, if you're having a hard time seeing your mobile device on your computer, try GPhoto 2. See if, see if sort of less is more. Sometimes just kind of pinging the device for a quick little bit of information seems to treat it, 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 it seems to, to be able to get through some of the probably over complexity that's that's happening between between the devices uh, and it has, th- that has completely changed the way that I upload data to my mobile device it's really really nice so take a look at GPhoto 2 hugely hugely helpful very very simple you just have to remember that it it is very sort of specific as to a predefined file structure on the device. So you do need to sort of probe a lot before interacting. Get your abilities, get a layout of the... get abilities with dash dash abilities, get a layout of the file system with dash dash list dash folders, and, and auto dash detect, dash dash auto dash detect first to see if your if your device is even there. If your camera, if your computer sees your your device, you would want to do dash dash auto dash detect, and then you'll want to do dash dash abilities to get a feel for what you're going to be able to do and not be able to do. And then, assuming you can manipulate files on the thing, either upload or download or delete or whatever, dash dash list dash folders. Those are your three really important starting commands for that. You can go whatever direction you want, and all that's pretty self-explanatory, I think, with dash dash help. That's GPhoto 2, and I think that's it for this episode. I think that's a pretty good place to stop, because that's a big one. You should go explore it and check it out and try it out. Thanks for listening. I'll talk to you next time. listening to the GNU World Order OG cast. This has been Klaatu. 
you can reach me on IRC. I'm on the Freenode network usually in channels such as Augcast Planet, Slacker Media, Slackware, a couple of others. My nick on IRC is not Klaatu. You can also reach me lately on Mastodon. My username there is at Klaatu at Mastodon.xyz. Of course, you can email me at Klaatu at member.fsf.org. That's Klaatu at member.fsf, as in Free Software Foundation.org. And, of course, you can visit my various websites, gnuworldorder.info and slackermedia.info. I will see you next time. of astounding mysteries.